If you would, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. As we are about halfway through, a little more than halfway through, a sermon series entitled Trials That Make a Church. And in this series, we've seen the benefit, the value of having a faith that perseveres. And a faith that not only perseveres, perseveres difficulty, but one that is visible and active out in everyday life. Peter has just spent several texts teaching us and teaching the church about how to take our faith and use it for the glory of God and make it visible, make it active, make it uh, applicable in different situations of life, whether it is how we deal with the government, whether it's how we deal with our work environment and then our roles in the home, but then now also he dealt with just everyday dealing with people, and now he's talking to the church specifically, and how we relate to each other. And that's why the title of the message today is Relationship Goals. And I hope that as a church, as we think about our relationships with each other, that we have certain goals that we see not only in the Scripture, but we put on ourselves in how we deal with each other, how we talk to one another, how we pray for each other, and how we handle sometimes a difficulty that's going to come no matter what it looks like, whether it's a personal struggle somebody has, whether it's a relationship conflict, no matter what it may be, a sickness or anything that someone deals with, how do we relate to each other as the body of Christ? I read about a pastor in the Tucson area just this past week, and he, as a pastor, has been called upon to do something very difficult. His name is Oscar Andrande. And Oscar has been asked to put on knee-high snake boots, to get a stick, to dress comfortably and have some water bottles on him as he goes through the desert looking for the remains or possible signs of migrants. People that have come to Arizona to work, people that don't have family connections, he's getting some communications across the border from Honduras, and relatives are saying, we haven't heard from our son, we don't know where he is. And the, he has taken this as a personal mission to go out in the desert to face scorpions and rattlesnakes and mountain lions, which he literally has had to fend off with nothing more than just a stick looking for any remains or any hope, any sign, a backpack, a, a lost cell phone, a, a piece of clothing, something to say to these family members, we have evidence of your son. We may know where he is. He found the remains of one young man that another family had asked him to look for. And he unfortunately had to make that communication and make that phone call back to this Honduran family to tell them what he had found. And as he's comforting her over the phone and helping her to process her own grief, he says these words to her. He says, sometimes we don't understand. But there is a reason that God allowed this. And he says to her, if you need anything, we're here. To be out in the desert is more difficult than to be in a church. And he closed that conversation by saying to her, that our commitment is firstly with God, but second with families. 
And I thought, you know, as a pastor, as a church, and as a, a community of believers, it is more difficult to be out in everyday life. It's more difficult to be Christ-like many times in the home than it is in the church. We can put on a face, we can pretend like everything's great, we can tell each other, I'm fine. But at the end of the day, God knows what struggles we have. God knows where we feel defenseless. God knows where we feel defeated. And sometimes as we relate to each other in the church, we can be harsh. We can be critical. We can fail to be sympathetic and understanding of the everyday difficulties that each other face. Again, those can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and at times it could be a health concern. It could be a a certain project that's really pressing at work. It could be something that you're doing as a family or something that's going on even relationally or internally with your own walk with Christ. Peter basically gives us a checklist of relationship goals, and as you see these in 1 Peter chapter 3, all of them are the character of Christ. You may have walked in here today really fallen short in your relationship goals with other believers in this church or maybe in another church. And maybe you haven't been all that you should be or could be for the body of Christ. But maybe today, God will grab a hold of your mind, grab a hold of your heart, grab a hold of your spirit and say, friend, today is a new day. And you may have blown it in the past or you may be blowing it in the moment, but you don't have to keep walking in it. You can encourage others and you can be Christ. Represent the character of Christ to those who need it the most. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, what the Bible says about our relational relationship goals. Verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayer. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You see, in this passage of Scripture, we've already heard, just in some phrase forms, some characteristics that Peter, knowing who Jesus is, desires to see in the life of the church. There's really two relational goals that I want you to have this morning that really stand out in this passage of Scripture. And I hope that you'll take note of those. If you are a note-taker, they're inside your bulletin. Uh, If you're just a really good listener, I hope that you pick up on both of these this morning. But here are the relational goals that the Apostle Peter points out for us to have as members of the body of Christ, as part of the family of God. The first thing he desires for us to develop as a goal is to develop compassion for others. You see, having compassion and showing each other the love of Christ sometimes is so very difficult. 
We struggle to give it, and sometimes we even struggle to receive it. But in this text, Peter says, finally, all of you, in verse 8, he is talking to the church. He is saying to those that are part of this family of God that not only love the Lord Jesus, but claim to love each other, and says, this is how you ought to treat one another. And he focuses on the idea of compassion. Notice what he says in verse 8. He starts off with saying, finally, all of you have unity of mind. You see, this compassion for other people comes from when we share the same mind. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll all feel the same way or maybe have the same type of convictions about all sorts of things, but when Peter uses the word unity, he's saying as a church that we ought to think the same way about our walk with Jesus. We ought to think the same way about the gospel, that message that brings us into the family of God. We ought to think the same way about one another whenever we are at our worst, whenever we're struggling, and whenever we need somebody to walk alongside of us. That compassion begins with having unity of mind. You see, Jesus even taught to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So ask yourself right now in this moment, if I was in this kind of situation, whatever it is, how would I want someone to treat me? And that's the way that I'm going to treat them. Well, if you and I share that and have that unity of mind, then when you're in that situation and you need me to respond in a certain way, if we think the same, then I'm going to treat you the way that you desire to be treated. Friend, it is just this simple. It's almost like going back to kindergarten and learning how to relate to each other, learning how to share uh, crayons and markers and learning how to take turns with the favorite toy in the classroom. It is just this simple inside the body of Christ. We are to think the same way about each other and not say, well, I don't know how I would treat that person until I'm in that situation. No, you go ahead and make up your mind and say, I'm going to treat them with kindness, compassion. I'm going to treat them with the love of Christ. And now Peter gives us what those moments of compassion should look like he starts first of all in verse 8 with sympathy then moves to brotherly love then mentions a tender heart and finally says a humble mind you see all of these bounce back and forth between the heart and the mind so if we have unity of mind as a church then whatever we think and however we feel is going to be similar regardless of the situation. So Peter is saying, if you get your mind right and on the same page as a church, then you're going to think the same way, you're going to feel the same way, you're going to react to each other the same way, and you're going to develop that love of Christ inside of the church. See, I love the idea of having sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart. You know what that says to someone inside the body of Christ? That says to a Christian that when I'm struggling, or when there's something going on in my life, or I've just gotten bad news from the doctor, or I've lost someone in my family, 
or I'm dealing with some personal issue, or my family is walking through a difficult moment, when I look at that verse and I say, you know, if I was outside of this situation, dealing with whatever it is I'm dealing with, and another member of the body of Christ was going through what I'm going through, here's what I would do for them. I would call them. I would go see them. I'd put my arm around them. I would pray with them. I would pray for them. I would do something. I would be there. I would let them know that I care. And you know what happens when we have unity in mind? Then when you're in that situation, that's how the body reacts to you. You see, when you have sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart, what you do is you not only recognize when somebody's hurting, but you respond to them in the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ would. Now why would Peter have to point out such positive qualities to a church? I imagine because he knows how people are. I imagine he knows and can imagine that sometimes people don't always act with compassion. Sometimes we act with folded arms. Sometimes we act with a pointed finger. Sometimes we act with a critical mind. And sometimes we act with, well, I'm glad they're going through that. Maybe they'll learn something. Whatever it is, sometimes that's our attitude. But let me tell you something about people. Being one of them, I can say this because I am people. (laughs) But looking at all of you and knowing so many of your backstories of who you are outside of this room. I can tell you something that I already know about you. And that is that I know personally that you deal with far more than most people in this room realize. You have personal struggles, you have family things, you have conflict, you have issues that go so far beyond what most people know. You deal with depression, you deal with difficult days, you deal with with conflict at work, you deal with all kinds of things and self-doubt and all of this stuff that compounds on you that nobody inside of this church would know unless you personally broke down and told every single person how you're doing today. That's why I don't like the word fine. You shake somebody's hand on Sunday morning, how are you doing? I'm fine. That's a lie. You're not fine. You're far from fine. You just don't want to tell them because we've all had that person we walk up to, shake their hand, say, hey, how are you today? And they actually tell us. <laughs> and then, and then we got to look at our watch. You know, I, I got to go. I, I really didn't mean it when I asked you that. I, I was just being nice. And so you many times say, I'm fine to be nice in response. But here's the reality. If the person asking, how are you, genuinely cared, and the person being asked genuinely wanted to share, that would be a relationship goal. To actually ask because you want to know, and to genuinely share because you want them to know. Here's what I understand about people, and I know that many of you do as well. The people that we judge, the people that we criticize, the people that we uh, look down on, the people that we talk about behind their back, they're dealing with far more than you and I will ever know. And Peter says the way 
to build up the body of Christ and the way to minister to each other is not to have that critical spirit, not to have that finger pointing, not to have that looking down on, but to have unity of mind to say, you know, we're all broken in some ways. We all fall short of the glory of God in different ways. And just because we're broken in different ways, all that says is we all need the same Savior. And with that unity of mind, then we have compassion. And Peter rounds out that moment of pointing out these wonderful characteristics by saying, have a humble mind. None of us are there yet. None of us have achieved that Christ-likeness and given the ability by God to look down on another. All of us need that sympathy. All of us need that love. And so this is why in verse 9, he gives us this practical step-by-step how we should be. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. What is repaying evil for evil? Well, sometimes some of the conflict that you feel is a result of somebody in this room. Maybe to your right, to your left, in the balcony or whatever, there may be somebody in this room right now, some part of the body of Christ that has caused you pain. And Peter says, don't repay evil for evil. And then he says, or reviling for reviling. That word reviling literally means to speak critically about another person. Somebody may have spoken critically about you. That does not give you the right to speak critically about them. Somebody may have hurt you. Somebody may have done something against you. And Peter says that doesn't give you a blank check then to take the gloves off and say, all right, big boy, this is what you get. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. Look back over at chapter 2, verse 23. Whenever Peter was describing the character of Christ. Talking about the suffering and the example and following in his footsteps. He says in verse 22 in chapter 2, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Friend, we're all broken. We're all imperfect. None of us are the judge and jury, and all of us need one another to love one another. And so Peter says, just bless each other. Whether they've done good, whether they've done bad, whether they've lifted you up, whether they've kicked you and knocked you down, whether they have been part of the ones that have been by your side or those that have stabbed you in the back, no matter what they've done, you emulate the character of Christ and just bless them. He says in verse 9, For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. From the best way to be like Christ is to do exactly what someone said, who this is an anonymous quote, but somebody said it very well, and he said, people need love, especially when they don't deserve it.
That's the moment when Christ-likeness means the most. When we're at our worst, when we feel defeated, when we feel crushed, when we feel like everybody has walked out, be that person that walks in just like Jesus. Be that blessing, even when you may be the source of that person's evil intentions. Be a source of comfort. Be a source of Christ-likeness. And develop within you that compassion of Jesus that we all need no matter what. You see, that's the first relational goal that Peter gives to the church. That's a pretty high mark. Because he's just explained to us the character of Christ and says, now go and do that for other people. So we need to learn how to develop compassion for each other. But here is where we really learn how to do that. And it's the second relational goal I want you to notice. You see, in verses 10, 11, and 12, Peter moves on to say, well, once we get that goal in our minds, then let's get this next one in our life. And he says, second of all, we need to develop consistency for Christ. You see, once we develop compassion for others, then we need to learn to develop consistency for Christ so that that compassion comes out more and more. How do we do that? Notice verse 10. He says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, and then he tells us in verse 10 and 11, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit, let him turn away from evil and do good, let him seek peace and pursue it. You see, if you desire to have a good life, And if you desire to have good, healthy friendships, if you desire to be a part of a healthy church that loves each other, if you desire to be a blessing to people around you, and you want other people to be a blessing to you, Peter says, here's what you need to do. Now see, this is what we would call a conditional promise. If you desire this. Now look, you could sit here today and say, Pastor, I want to be miserable. I want to be mad, I want to be angry, I want to be bitter all the time. I I want to just, as Andy Griffith said on the Andy Griffith Show many years ago, I just want a nasty away. I don't don't want to just die mad, I want to just nasty away. I, I want to live that way. Good, then don't do anything that the Bible says to do, and you'll just nasty your life away. But to this point, I've never met someone that honestly says, I want to be as miserable every day as possible. So this conditional promise is for you. Now look, you may not be very good at it, and it may come very natural for you to nasty your life away, and so you may really need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help you with this. But if in your mind and in your mouth and in your heart you really want to have good days, Peter says, let's get our mouth right, let's get our life right. He says with our mouth, Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Friend, only good things should come from your mouth. Only things that build each other up. And as your grandma probably used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, keep your yap shut. No, she didn't say it quite like that. If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all then we should not let those things that are harmful and hurtful and accusatory and, 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 and 
difficult and painful come out of our mind. You say, Pastor, well, how then do we, how do we then deal with this conflict or these issues or stuff that comes up? We do it with grace. We let, as the Bible says, let our speech be seasoned with grace. And even in those moments that are difficult to explain how we've been hurt, how we're struggling, how somebody's done this or this, or even how we have done something, we don't have to be nasty about it. We can literally share how we feel and do it to build somebody up. We do it with grace. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, he said, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Look, that's not just when we come to church and sing and pray and endure the message. This, what he is saying and the psalmist is saying in Psalm 34 is, I will always praise the Lord. No matter the situation, no matter what has happened to me, no matter what difficulty has been thrown my way, I'm going to exalt the Lord always with my mouth. And Peter says, if you desire to love life and see good days, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit, and instead swap out those words with whatever glorifies God. And then he moves on to our lives. And he says in verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Friend, this is the kind of reconciliation, this is the kind of Christ-like love, this is the relationship goal we should all look for. There's no marriage that's perfect. There's no brother-sister relationship that's perfect. There's no church filled with perfect people. We're going to have conflict, miss, you know, words that are said and things that are heard. Or what We're going to deal with relationship issues. And what Peter says, what the church as believers and part of the body of Christ should be focused on, should be that we not only let our mouth say the right thing, but he says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Paul said it best in Philippians chapter 4, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on these things. Focus your life on not only what glorifies God, but also what builds up other people. If you want to nasty your life away, then say nothing but harmful, hurtful things. If you want to have not good days, then walk in evil and let that be the pattern of your life. But if you desire to walk in step with the character of the Lord Jesus Christ and be a blessing to others, then walk as Jesus walked, talk as Jesus talked, and let His character shine through you. And let every step, every word, every thought, every action be captured to the character of Jesus and let everything that comes from your life be a blessing. See, that's a relational goal. And some of us are already thinking, yeah, well, I've blown it. 
I blew it this morning getting ready for church. I said this or I did that on the car ride and I shouldn't have. Well, guess what? You've still got time. You still have moments, Lord willing, for the rest of this day, if God gives you this day, then to, to do whatever you can to be a blessing to those in your life. Because here's where the rubber meets the road. He says in verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is simply to say that God desires to be with you and for you. God desires to be a blessing to you. This is Peter's way of saying, listen, God cannot have fellowship with sin and evil. God cannot bless a life that is not a blessing. God cannot use those that are constantly looking for the bad and gravitating toward that. God will have His face toward his ear inclined to, and his blessing resting on those who desire to walk in the character of Christ. Now look, that's not to say you're going to be perfect. You're going to blow it. But what do we celebrate most of all about who God is? We thank Him for His grace. And the Bible teaches us that when we fall short of the glory of God, that the grace of God is able to cleanse us, the Bible teaches us if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You're going to fall short. But what is the pattern of your life? What is the desire that after today is over and you look back on it, was this a good day? You look back on the conversations you had, the, the things that you talked about, the people that you talked to, what you thought about different ones, and you look back on today. Was it a good day? Was it a day that glorified God? Was it a day that built other people up? Was it a day of blessing or was it a day of cursing? The only way to walk in the faithfulness of the character of Christ is first of all to know Him personally. And if you've never confessed your sin and said, Lord, I am not walking in the character of Christ. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know why. I probably do some good things every so often. I do some bad things every so often. But I don't know that if my life were to end right now today, that I would step out of this life and step into eternity and have a personal relationship with you. I don't have any confidence that my soul belongs in heaven. Friend, it's nothing you've done. And it's nothing that you can do. It is something that's already been done for you. And God offers you that transformational gift to make you like Him. To make you like Jesus so that you can walk in Him with Him, and for Him. If you need to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, then today is the day to repent. But as a Christian, ask yourself today, has today started out as a good day? You remember what my pastor friend said that I quoted just a, a few moments ago? He said, it's harder to be a Christian in the desert than it is to be in the church. So think about what pattern of life you're going to have today. 
to set yourself up to be a blessing tomorrow. And think back on what did I do yesterday to be a blessing that I can thank God for today. You know, many of us have heard the name Elon Musk. He's the CEO of Tesla and has more money than anybody should really have in a lifetime. Or 17 lifetimes. The man has a lot of money. But his former girlfriend that he dated in the mid-90s before he moved out to California and in her words took over the world, his former girlfriend saw that somebody had auctioned off some papers that he had graded while he was in school. And someone actually paid for a piece of paper, a, a, a test paper taken by somebody else that had Elon Musk's handwriting on it. Somebody actually bought it. And she said, you know, I dated the guy. I have some stuff. And so she decided to go to a Boston auctioneer and put all of this memorabilia that she had and had been collecting since mid-90s when they dated and held on to all this time. Y'all, she didn't make Elon Musk kind of money. Don't get me wrong. But she made a pretty good chunk of change for some junk. She got... $51,000 for a gold necklace with a small green emerald that he gave to her in 1994 as a birthday gift. There's a, a picture of Elon Musk and her posing with other people at a social uh, school formal in 1995, and somebody paid $42,000 for that picture. She got $17,000 for a birthday card that he signed calling her Boo Boo, and that card sold for $17,000. She made $165,000 off some junk because it was either given by him or had his name on it. Look, I figured out the other day, I've got some boxes <laughs> down in my basement. And if anybody wants to rummage through that stuff and auction it, I'll split the proceeds with you. I can't imagine somebody paying $51,000 and $17,000 for some of this foolishness that most of us just throw away. But think for just a moment, if you had a box, a collection of all of your yesterdays, all of your past thoughts, all of your past actions, all of the relationships and how you've dealt with people in the past, and you had a box and a big collection of all of your yesterdays, what would that value be? Would it be priceless to the kingdom of God? Because all of those interactions, all of those moments, all of those times that you've been there for people would just be an incalculable blessing that you just couldn't possibly put a price tag on or would it be a lot of hurt a lot of disappointment a lot of shoulda coulda wouldas a lot of I can't believe I said that to them a lot of I can't believe that I didn't contact them I, I, I should have done this or that or I wish I'd have been a better blessing to this person friend what you can do with all of those yesterdays is you can drop them all in the ocean of God's grace and forget about them. 
Because whether they were a blessing yesterday or something that caused pain, God's grace is sufficient for all of that. The only thing you can do is to say today, am I going to develop today compassion for each other and develop consistency in my walk with Christ so that every day I make the most of displaying the character of Jesus to those who need it the most. There are hurting people, not only in this community or in your family, there are hurting people sitting beside you, in front of you and behind you today. And how you treat them, how you love them, and how you bless them says much, much more about your relationship with Jesus than it does about your relationship with them. And if you're walking in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to find it much easier to be a blessing to people around you because of how Jesus is blessing you. And you'll find it easy to be a blessing to others. So whether you have a relationship with Christ and need to learn how to walk in consistency and compassion, or whether or not you need a relationship with Christ, need to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus today, and today be born again, no matter who you are or where you are, we all have a decision to make. And I want to encourage you as we pray, and as we stand in a moment and sing, that if God puts a decision on your heart, do not leave this place the same. Would you bow your heads with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for Your grace. And we thank You, God, that even when we fall short of Your glory, perhaps we fail to share the Gospel with someone who needs it. Perhaps we fail to demonstrate the character of Christ when it's needed. Perhaps, Father, we fail to be a blessing to others in the time when they need it, and we look back on that as a missed opportunity. Lord, no matter what it is, I pray that today, you would give us a new day, new opportunities to not only be consistent in our walk with Jesus, but God, that we would develop compassion for others. Lord, for those that know the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us, God, to walk in that faithfulness through the power of your Holy Spirit to demonstrate the character of Christ to others. But Father, I pray if there's just one person listening to this message, who's never given their life to Christ and never turned from their sin and been born again, Father, I pray that today would be the day. They would turn their back on the person they used to be, turn away from the sin that has trapped them in their life, that they would find the loving arms of the Lord Jesus Christ with forgiveness and grace and a new life. God, may you speak to our hearts during this time of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.